who said, hey, we're not going to be able to get water to your uh, church. And I said, why not now? They said, well, in order to do that, we have to cross somebody's property across the street. So we had to figure out how and who would do such a thing. So we, you know, we, we went across the street, and, man, we were uh, totally rejected by uh, some of our neighbors. We're like, well, here's a, we don't want anything for nothing. We will pay you for just a small easement up against the fence. And, you know, you, you don't even have anything there. We, we will pay you for that if, if you'll let us do that. And we're like, no, we're not going to do that. Well, can you at least talk to your board? Can you bring your team together? No, we're just not going to do it. Please? No, no, we're not going to do it. I was like, I, I walked out of that meeting thinking, I've never seen anybody so happy to tell me no in my entire life. And then, you know, so we went next door, and then that's not going to work. And then we went next door. We literally knocked on different doors, and we finally found somebody a quarter of a mile down the road that he was a developer, and he saw the, 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 the opportunity in that, that it would give his houses that he was developing you know, community water or, or waterworks, and he was like, sure, you know, it's, we were, we were prepared to pay somebody $20,000 just to let us do that, he's like, no, don't worry about that, I want water, I can help you, you can help me, so that, that became an answer to prayer, because the first thing when I found that out is, the first thing that I did is, is take that to our prayer team, so we solved that problem, about a week and a half later, the water department called and said, hey, we're not going to be able to give you guys water, and I'm like, why, why can't you just give us water? And he said, well, we can, but it's going to cost you $100,000. I'm like, why? He said, well, we were able to get the water to there, but to get it to you, we got to take it under the highway. And to get it under the highway, the State Department requires that we have to drill and to drill. We got it. all this stuff is going on. So, you know, we didn't have $100,000 in the budget, so we uh, took that to the prayer team, and we prayed about it. And the people on that prayer team remembers all of this. Uh, we got to pray about this. This is kind of a, a bad situation. And, you know, our church, we're way over budget as it is. So they came back to us and they said, here's what we'll do. Uh, we will actually, we actually met with the water department after we prayed about this. And they said, we're going to knock that down to somewhere in the 20s. And we're going to help you guys out. We really feel like God is going to do something. So, man, that's, that's awesome. So we feel like God came through again in that situation. Amen. And then about two weeks later, the fire marshal came, and he said, hey, we're going to have to shut you guys down. I'm like, shut us down? We just got water. We just did everything that you said. And he came in here, and he measured this stage, and he said, the stage is six inches too tall, and so you guys got to tear that stage out. And I said, we just, we just built, this stage cost $28,000. When, when you're in the middle of all this, you know these numbers. $28,000 to build this stage. You can drive a truck up on this stage. So I don't know why we needed it that strong. But we needed a really strong stage. And plus the size of it and everything. It was just, you know, the way it was designed and whatever. It was a very cool stage. And he said, well, it's six inches too tall. And you can't have church in there until you tear it out and decrease it by six inches. So we took that to the prayer team. And then the prayer team came up here. Uh, we, and we remember this. We, we were standing down there and we laid hands on the stage. And we prayed over the stage, Lord, help us to keep our stage. <laughs> you know, we prayed about it. We just, we just, I got a picture of us standing in front of the stage, praying over the stage. Lord, we don't, we don't have the finance to do that. We're over budget. One way or another, God, I pray that you help us. And within a few days, we found out that some engineer found a clause that gave us a loophole to be able to keep this stage. Isn't that incredible? 
I mean, it sounds like a small thing, but I can tell you that there are a number of things because the enemy was fighting us with all of his might from building this facility because God knew that people would get saved, lives would be changed, and I believe that God worked incredibly, worked miraculously through every one of those things to help us to have this facility. You believe that? Say amen. Absolutely. Yeah, give God praise. It's, It's huge. And if somebody were to say, hey, Travis, Travis, do you believe that God worked miracles? I I would say yes. I believe that God intervened tremendously in order for us to have this. But is according to the scripture, are those things a miracle? The the answer is no. None of those things were miracles because they can be explained. I want to I want to define what a miracle is according to scripture. And the reason I'm telling you these things is because we will ask ourselves many times Does God work miracles and are miracles for today? I'm getting to those questions by defining what a miracle is, first of all. According to, if you just looked it up in a dictionary, a miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention. That's a very important term, manifesting divine intervention. In other words, when somebody sees it, they see man. God must have done something. God had to do something. And here's why. Let's look at the four Greek words of a miracle in the New Testament. These four words are what define a miracle in the New Testament. Number one is Simeon. Everybody say Simeon. That Greek word means sign. A sign is evidence of a divine event. Or uh, if we could say it like this, it is proof of God's intervention. When, when a miracle really happens, there is proof of divine intervention even for people who do not believe. Now, the things that I told you, how God intervened to help us build this church, I am absolutely confident that God did those things and God stepped up. But for somebody who doesn't believe in God, they could tell you that there is a logical explanation for how every one of those things took place. In fact, God worked through people to make sure those things happened. I believe that God intervened to help that engineer find that clause to help us to keep this stage. But that can't be defined as a miracle because there is, there is no proof, and I can't prove to you that God did that. I believe he did. Are you with me? But there's no proof of it. So really, that can't, that can't uh, be defined as a miracle. Here's the deal. If there is any other possible explanation, then it's not really a miracle. A miracle is so powerful and is so proof that God did it that it astonishes people and it leaves no room for doubt. There is no other way. There is no possibility except for God did a miracle. Even those who did not believe in Jesus could not deny that he performed miracles. The Pharisees would step back and look at him and not believe that he was the son of God. They told other people he was not the Messiah. He cannot be the Messiah because of where they believed he came from. But they could not, def- they could not deny the miracles that he performed. In fact, Jesus upon occasion would perform a miracle and he would do it so the Pharisees standing around would receive their sign. They would say, give us a sign. He would say, I've given you so many signs. But every now and then he would give them a sign. For example, the man that was brought in and, and lowered down in front of him from a ceiling, they put him down on the ground. And Jesus, the man, was brought in by his four friends and he needed to be healed and he had been lame since birth. So Jesus looked at the man and he didn't say be healed. He looked at the man and he said, your sins are forgiven. He did that for a reason. He looked at that man and said, your sins are forgiven. Now, why did he do that? 
Because the Pharisees that were standing around, that followed him around everywhere, looked at him and said, he can't do that. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus was like, I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd say that. But to, but to prove to you that I am who I say I am, that I have been sent by the Father, that I am the Messiah, that I am God in the flesh, watch this. And he looked at the man and he said, take up your mat and walk. And the man stood up, rolled up his mat. There was no denying. That's what a miracle is, that there is no denying that it really, really happened, and it is from God. Number two, a miracle, according to another Greek word for miracle in the New Testament, is terada, which means wonders, which it's not, it's not just a common thing, a wonder-causing event, if you will, that causes astonishment. Somebody who sees it say, is, 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 there is an awe factor. We've never seen anything like this. When people saw the ministry of Jesus and they saw him heal people, they would see things right in front of their eyes. Stretch out your hand, rise and walk, be healed, speak, blind eyes be opened. They walked away saying, and it wasn't this deal where, well, I don't know. Well, they could have done something or, well, I just, you know, you know how people will fake those kinds of things. They walked away. The critics walked away saying to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees would say it to themselves, we have never seen anything like this. We have never heard of anything like this. That's what a miracle is. The third word in the New Testament is called dunamis, which is mighty works of superhuman power. It is beyond human ability. Man can't do it. It's also Dunamis, it means that it is not bound by natural law. Now, what's interesting about the, the miracles of Christ is he would do something in the natural. He would take something like walking and do something supernatural with it, like walking on water. It's a supernatural event. Something that Jesus did that was supernatural is he took something common and he did something supernatural in order to, for it to be a blessing to someone. For example, he turned water into wine. He took water that was common, just an everyday thing, and did something supernatural, and it brought about festivity or whatever. I got to thinking about that, and I thought, what if Jesus would have showed up at parties and turned wine into water? <laughs> They'd be like, wow, that's powerful, but boo! <laughs> he, he would do something that, that caused blessing that would point to God. Walking is a natural thing, but walking on water is scientifically impossible because the properties of water and because of gravity. Speaking to a person to be healed has never been a doctor's remedy to be healed, and yet Jesus, it's not a scientific thing, but Jesus said, imagine a doctor, you know, going in there and having his, uh, his, his, his little, his laptop or whatever, and he's talking, he's like, hey, be healed or whatever. That's not what a doctor usually does, and yet Jesus did that because it was a miracle. Speaking to a spirit that caused a disease is not something that we would normally do when we practice medicine. However, Jesus, because he worked miracles, did something that pointed to God. It was a powerful thing. A miracle is doing something supernatural to something natural that causes something to point to God. The last word of defining a miracle is erga, which means works. And this means the works of God, that it points to the works of God. It points to an individual that works miracles, and that's what it would do. So here's the deal. I believe that we need to stop minimizing what a miracle is by our words. 
It is not a, I've heard people say it is a miracle that these people stayed together. It is not a miracle that, that they stay together. There's, there's something else that took place, but it's not a miracle of God. It is, uh, we, we prayed for a good parking spot at the mall. No, that, that is not a miracle. That, I'm not even sure that God works in that because what about the other person that didn't get the spot that wanted your spot? You know what I'm saying? Could it be just a coincidence that you got a, a good parking spot at the mall? Maybe God did intervene. I don't want to take away from what God might be doing in your life. Uh, it is a miracle that our team won. I don't know if that's a miracle. Maybe that team just outplayed that other team, or maybe, you know, the, the ball hit him in the hands just right. It's a miracle that they survived the crash. Here's the deal. Statistically speaking, there are possible odds for anything happening. Statistically speaking, it, it, you say, well, it's a miracle they survived that car crash. I believe that it could very well be that God had his angel wrap his arms around them. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the way we use the word miracle diminishes many times what a miracle really is according to the definition of what the Bible says a miracle is. Because a miracle is unexplainable, defies statistics. It is a supernatural event that takes the natural things of this world and does some supernatural acts. And it points to God. And people that, that see it, people that witness it, they say there's no way that it couldn't have been anything but God. That is the definition of miracle. You believe that? Say amen. So with that in mind, we have to look at the next question. Does God still perform miracles? Now, I believe that he does, but this is a good question that we need to ask ourselves because there are people that are non-believers or people that, that, that didn't grow up in our faith that we do, and we talk about miracles like God always performs miracles, but there are people that, you know, you can, you can Google or you can go on YouTube and, and you can find stuff, where, you know, of, of atheists and, and, and listen to their forms or whatever, and they will tell you, we have tried praying before, and all different cases of people trying to survive things, praying does not work scientifically. There are people that try to work things out. Does God still perform miracles? Well, we have to ask ourselves this question, and we want to also be studied and provide a good answer. Some people say that miracles are just for the Bible. I want to show you why I believe that that's not true. But some people say that, that some people will ask, why don't we see the miracles today like we saw in the Bible? Have you ever thought that? Well, if, if God performs miracles, if God is a God of signs and wonders, if that be the case, then why don't we see today what we saw in the Bible? Have you ever thought that? It's okay to think that. I've, I've prayed about that. God, there are things that, that, that I want to know. Well, let's ask ourselves about the miracles in the Bible because the Bible is, is where we find the miracles. The Bible is a book that lists a lot of miracles. Actually, how many, how many miracles are in the Bible? And I'm not counting two things. I'm not going to count the prophecies as miracles, all right? They can be viewed as miracles, but that's not what we're talking about. We're, uh, another thing is, is the statements of they perform many signs and wonders. I'm not going to count those. Because I, I want to know specific how many miracles and what that miracle was. So if you narrow it down, there are roughly about 125 recorded miracles in the entire New and Old Testament. 125. There are somewhere between 75 and 80 spanning the Old Testament, which is 4,000 years. So if you break that down to numbers, we find out that there is about one miracle about every 53 years in the Old Testament. Just on an average, one miracle about every 53 years. That's not very many miracles, is it? 
It's okay to say yes or no. <laughs> it's not a trick question. I'm not going to trick you. Just one miracle about every 53 years. And then that is, not, not, that is actually not a very good observation. And it doesn't really tell the story. Because there were centuries that went by, if you read the Old Testament, where God was just kind of silent. Or maybe God wasn't silent, but we just don't know what happened. For example, at the end of, Ex at the end of Genesis, Jacob moved his family into Egypt. And we don't hear anything in Old Testament scripture of what God did for about 350 years. So for 350 years, there are no recorded miracles. No miracles. And then Moses is born, and then we have about a dozen or so miracles of, of what God did through the Israelites, and then you, there's this season of, of no miracles. And then if you go between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's 400 years of just complete silence. So really, I mean, there, there, were, there were centuries where there was nothing from heaven where God did not move. Now, now let me ask you something. Then we, you go into the New Testament, of course, and then Jesus is born, and then there's nothing for 30 years that we see. And then we have all of these miracles surrounding his birth, and then, we, then Jesus performs about, I believe, about, 20, or about 35 to 40 miracles in his three-year ministry. Now, I know that John said that Jesus did so many things that we couldn't write it all down. I'm just talking about what's recorded. So let me ask you a question. Now, that was, this is the story of the Israelites and the story of our faith. There's other, there's people all over the world. Now, there's people all over the world that experience the Christian faith. Could it be possible that God performs miracles in other parts of the world that we don't know about? And then, if that be the case, could it be possible that God has performed miracles at least once every 50 years? Is that possible? Even if it did not happen in your lifetime, even if I, maybe I personally have not seen it, I've, I've talked to ministers that have seen miracles, I've talked to ministers before that they have actually seen people that are, have been raised, you know, as far as they were lame and whatever. Blind eyes, see, I've, I've talked to a young man, I was there in a service one time where, where uh, he laid his hands on his mom and she began to see, that was, that's the, the only thing that I have ever personally seen, I saw that happen. But could it be that God is performing miracles just like he was in the days of the Bible, but it might be once every 25, or maybe it's in another part of the world that we don't know about because we don't have our cell phones recording it. If that is a yes, is it possible? Would you agree that it could be possible? Yes. If that's possible and if that's happening, and I believe with all my heart that it's happening more than one every 50 years because the church is all over the world, and there are other cultures that don't have our technology but that God must intervene. If that be the, be the case, that not only is God still a God of miracles, but he's performing more miracles than he was in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Can I get an amen? So yes, miracles are for today. Are we still living in a time of miracles? I want to answer that question very quickly before I move on. I believe, yes, in John 14 and 12, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I've done. And he goes on to say, you're going to do more works than I've done. Now that might be talking about, I believe that he's talking about miracles, but he's also talking about the preaching of the word and people being saved. And we find out later that, that Peter stands up and 3,000 people get saved after a message that he preaches. We find out that his disciples and his apostles do way more works as, than he did, but not necessarily miracles. Mark eleven twenty two 22 says this, and Jesus answered, have faith in God 
Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and be thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, listen to this, whatever you ask in prayer, now I would have to, I'd have to go sideways and say, according to the will of God, I can back that up with scripture, but I'll just throw it in for your sake. Therefore, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Jesus is introducing faith, the concept of faith, that we can have what we believe if we ask and believe in faith. Did this happen with the disciples? This prophecy that, that I'm going to do something in your life through the church and you're going to have what you, and you're going to, there's going to be signs and wonders? It absolutely did, according to Acts 2.43. It says this, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, we don't know that all the apostles were performing miracles. In fact, most of them, there's no record of them performing miracles. However, if you read Acts or the Acts of the Apostles, you might remember how God used Peter to raise a, a man that was outside of the temple. He was raised uh, uh, or he, he, was, he was healed of being lame, and this caused a big ruckus in the church, but also many people got saved and many people Believe. Now, that also gives insight. Just kind of side note. It also gives insight to why Jesus and the apostles performed miracles, what God was doing in the New Testament church. But also, Peter raised a woman from the dead, or God did that through Peter. Her name was, I believe it was Dorca. Philip also was an apostle. The Bible says he did many signs and wonders, but the thing that we remember most about Philip was he was baptizing this I believe it was an Ethiopian treasure, if you will. This kind of like a, a secretary of the treasure for the United States. This was what this guy was for Ethiopia. And he was reading the book of Isaiah. And as he was reading, Philip walked up and God told him to walk up and talk to him. He talked to him and he was riding in his carriage. And it came all the way to him giving his life to Christ and believing. And then he said, hey, we can get baptized right there. So Philip and the Ethiopian gets out. Philip baptized him, and the Bible says that Philip immediately vanishes and finds himself in a different city where, where the Lord wanted him to be in order to be what he was, an evangelist. And then we see that the Apostle Paul was greatly used. Many miracles happened through the Apostle Paul. He even raised a guy named Eutychus from the dead. Eutychus, get this, this is how practical this was. The Apostle Paul was preaching, and according to what the Scripture says, the Apostle Paul wasn't the most dynamic speaker. People would fall asleep while he was preaching. Well, Eutychus was three stories up, fell, fell asleep, fell to his death, and the Apostle Paul went out there, laid his hands on him, and prayed for him, and he was raised from the dead. Stephen, who was not an apostle, just somebody, just somebody who worked in the church, he did many signs and many wonders before he was martyred. Over the process of 60 years after the resurrection of Christ, the apostles performed about a dozen or so miracles surrounding the New Testament church. Now, here's what I want to say about that. Just like in those days, it might not be everyone. It might not be on demand. It might not be according to our plan, but according to Scripture, we are living in the church age. We are living under this anointing and this spirit where Jesus gave the apostles that I give you the authority and the power and whatever you have according to my name, according to you believe, according to my name, you are going to have. Jesus says that we're living in that church age where signs and wonders 
can be a part of our lives and our ministries. But it's not going to be exactly the way you think, or it might not be. It, it, if it was according to Scripture, it's not every single time we pray. And I know that that's, that's contrary to what we've been taught. I, we, believe, we, believe for, we believe the word of God, but we're talking in 60 years, we're talking maybe a dozen to 20 miracles in the entire New Testament church. So is, is, are we living in the church age? Does God still perform miracles? Yes, he does. I believe according to at least as many that were in the New Testament. All right, last thing I want to ask, and I'm going to move, I'm going to close after this. Do I need a miracle? Do I need a miracle? Now, I think that that would be evident, but I have a reason why I want to ask you this question. In the Old Testament, when God freed the Israelites from Egyptian slavery, if you remember this, he provided for them and he protected them for 40 years as they walked through the wilderness. Listen to Exodus 16, or Exodus 13 and 20. It says, the Lord went before them day by day, or went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. In other words, he provided a shelter or a shade for them as they walked through the desert. And by night, a pillar of fire to protect them or to give them, uh, uh, give them the ability to see at night that they might travel by day and by night. Exodus 16, they didn't have to provide for themselves food. They didn't have to work or hunt for food. He provided manna, which was like, it was something that they would go out every single day and they would pick up this manna. It, would, it was something, something like a cake or a bread they didn't even know what it was. I think manna actually translates as, what is it? So they had this thing called manna, and then quail would fall into a field, and they would gather up. Millions of people would gather up quail and free bread every single day. They never had to work for their food. All they had to do was travel and be obedient. In Deuteronomy 29, it says their clothes and their shoes never wore out. Moses said that to them. They didn't have to make their food. They didn't have to make their clothes. And they were protected. They were divinely protected. That all came to a screeching halt when Joshua became their leader. Why? Because Joshua led them into the promised land. When God leads you into a place of blessing, when God leads you into a place of promise, the provision, the miraculous provision ceases. Are you with me? He led them into a place of victory. He, lead, he led them into a plant, place of what was called milk and honey. In other words, the food was there. They just had to conquer and get it. Now, we don't, our, our fight is not flesh and blood. Our fight is spirit. So we pray these things into our lives. We pray provision through our prayer life and our spirit life. But um, let, let's keep going. God brought them into a place where, he did, where they did not need miraculous provision. And I believe that that is where God wants us to live. Let me show you why. Sometimes we believe that we need a miracle when we just need an answer to prayer. And God will, God will lead us into a place where he will provide for us as we begin to ask him. And I'm telling you right now, I would rather live in a place of provision and a place of prosperity and a, pro, a place of blessing than, need, than needing a miracle. Man, miracles are incredible. But I would rather live in a place where I was not dependent upon a miracle in my life. And I believe that that's where God wants it to take us, like he did the Israelites. A few weeks ago, I sold this guy my guitar and I told this story uh, three weeks ago, but I didn't tell all of it. I asked him why he did what he did. He was an orthodontist, and he enjoyed it, and, and uh, he talked a little bit about the criticism that he had to deal with as an orthodontist, and I, I think I shared this story about three weeks ago, and I uh, told that side of it. But the other side is, uh, I said, what do you do when you're not working on people's mouths? He says, actually, 
I go on at least one to two mission trips every single year. And he takes a team of dentists, nurses or whatever. He goes with an entire team, and I believe they go down to Mexico. And he says for 10 days, 7 to 10 days, he spends just providing his services. And I said, let me get this straight. And as, as he explained this to me, I said, listen, man. You know, the Bible says that we are the body of Christ, that Jesus actually, he would walk into places and he would heal people. Do you know that God has given you the ability to heal people with your practice? Think about that for a second. I know that that sounds practical and I'm not diminishing miracles, but think about this, that we are the body of Christ and what Jesus did was heal people. God has given us the ability and the technology as people to go into, as the body of Christ, go into other parts of the world. Do you know how powerful it is for you to be able to solve somebody's health issues after you solve somebody's health issues, you begin to talk to them about Christ? Do you know how powerful that is? I do because I've seen it. I've been there before. It is way more powerful. When we were in Cambodia, what we did is we went and bought all these kids that were living in extreme poverty. We went down there and we washed their hair. Then we, then, then we bought them clothes. We went to the market and we bought them shoes. We bought kids that, had, that were like five, six years old, never wore a shoe before in their life. We bought them shoes. You do that for them, it is incredible. When you say that Jesus loves you, they believe it. It is a very powerful thing. And a, lot of times, and a lot of times, God works through people. In 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, 2 Corinthians 9 and 14, it talks about the generosity of his church and how the body of Christ, that, that, people, become, that, that, that people become an answer to prayer. I might not always be able to lay my hands on people. I might not be able, when I pray, I pray for the healing of God. But sometimes, you know, I might not be able to do what God can do. But there are things that I can do through my gifting. Do you know that when Jesus left the earth, the Bible says that he left gifts to men. And a body of Christ is where we come together and we share in our gifting that provides answers to prayer. Just like this, as I'm explaining, there are people in, in one church that had an incredible financial need. And the Apostle Paul explained to them how they became an answer to prayer because of their financial gift. I want to tell you something. When somebody has a financial need in their lives, when somebody meets that financial need, it feels not only like an answer to prayer, but it also feels like a miracle. Are you with me? Have you ever talked to somebody where, where somebody gave them a car? They'll tell you that was a miracle. We've been praying about this. I didn't have transportation. God gave me a job, but I couldn't get there. I had no way. God moved on this person's heart. They gave me a car. That, that feels like a miracle to a person that's praying for. And we have that ability, not just through finances, but also through other gifting. You know, when somebody receives a financial miracle, do you know that there's a giver of that financial miracle? God works through his children. God works through his children. I've heard somebody say before, man, I am in, in serious debt. I need a financial miracle. Do you know what's better than a $100,000 financial miracle? How about a job that pays you $100,000 a year? Right? So do you really need a financial miracle or do you need somebody to give you a job? Or do you need somebody within the body of Christ to, to, to recognize your skills? I don't care what it is. Sometimes we think we need a miracle when, when we, we need a practical answer to prayer. My, I've, I've heard people say before, I, I, my marriage needs a miracle. Actually, your marriage needs counseling and commitment. Are you with me? 
And I'm not saying that you don't need God to work. And, and listen, I'm not, there's a lot of people here that have talked to me about issues that they have in their marriage, and I'm, I'm not stepping on anybody's toes, not trying to do that. I'm talking to you about practical answers to things that we need when we say we need a miracle. Hey, I need a miracle. I've heard people say, you know what, I need a miracle in my body, and that might be true. And I, what's better than needing or receiving a miracle in your body is living a healthy life. <laughs> Are you with me? I, I, I want to live in such a way, and I'm not saying that I will never get to a place, and I'm, I, I will claim that, that God will always keep me healthy and strong until he takes me. But rather than coming to a place, and I would, I, rather than celebrating the fact that God worked a miracle in my life, hey, I'd just like to live healthy until God takes me. And I believe that God wants to take all of us into a place where we don't have to depend on a miracle. Like the, the Israelites did not have to, or they no longer had to depend on a miracle because God took them into a place of prosperity and blessing and promised land. And I believe that that is more than a miracle. God has a place for all of us, and that's God's will for our lives. You believe that? I want to close with this. We live in a society of blessing and prosperity in, in this, these United States. We live in a different world than the other world lives in. And I believe that God has provided us with even the medicine and technology that we have in order for us to live the lives that we live. And I believe with commitment and hard work, we can access the, the promises of God. However, I'm not naive to believe that there are not some issues in life that these problems can't, that, that the solutions that I have can't solve. There are things in your life that the only way that it's going to be taken care of, that the only way that you're going to have an answer is if God comes through and God gives you a miracle. You know, the sad thing about that, the, rough, the hard thing about that is unless God gives me a miracle, my life is going to go down. Unless God gives me a miracle, things aren't going to work out. That's the sad thing. The, but the powerful thing is, with that is, if that's where you are, the only way that this happens, the only way that we're going to be healed, the only way that we're going to live, the only way that this is going to work out is God steps in and God gives a miracle. The sad thing about that, the hard thing about that is, it's where you are. If God doesn't come through, the good thing about that is, well, now you've qualified yourself. And next week, we're going to talk about people that qualify themselves to receive miracles. Last week, I wasn't here because my father asked me to come preach for him. And I think, uh, I thought it was really important because six weeks ago, or six months ago, he was diagnosed with cancer, and I've seen him go down really quickly over the last six months. Uh, he just went in because he wasn't feeling well. One of those stories. He went in. He wasn't feeling well. He was sick. They got to looking at him. They did CAT scans. Looked all over. Found out he had tumors. Stepped back. Came in after about a week in the hospital and said, we, we really can't do anything. Are you, are you a person of faith? We'll pray. We're going to send you home. They didn't even give him a time frame. They didn't want to do that. Basically, it's like he's, a, he's kind of a walking time bomb. He may have six days, six weeks, six months. We don't know, but we know that he'll, you know, at the rate that it's growing, it's going to continue to get worse. And I found that out when he found out. So I thought when he asked me, I thought, man, I don't have time. You want to live your life in such a way 
that when you look back two years, you want to say, hey, was I busy or should I have made a different decision? So I'm thinking, well, I'll get Curtis to preach. Curtis did a good job last week, didn't he? So I went down there, and as, uh, when I walked into his church, little church, not very many people, just little community church, uh, my stepmother met me there, and she said, hey, I'm sorry. He's so disappointed. He want to be here. He's just too sick. He can't make it. So I, Don't worry. So I, I preached. Went out and visited with him at his house, and when I saw him, I thought, man, he's lost more weight. He, he doesn't look good. I can tell he's in pain, and, and he... <clears throat> He asked me to pray for him when I left. and I, I kneeled down and we all gathered around and prayed for him. And it, it's, it's hard for me. It, it really is. It's hard for me. And I'm, I'm praying. And <laughs> my dad's Pentecost, okay? And I'm, I'm, and I'm like, Lord, we believe for divine healing. And I'm going on and praying. And I'm saying, but, but, but even if things don't work out, and he interrupted me right there, and he said, but no, Lord, we're going to believe for a complete healing. I felt checked. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I said, yeah, Lord, yeah. Hallelujah, praise God. You know. But I've been down this road so many times before, and I can't tell you how many people I've prayed for. How many people in the hospital? How many people that had cancer? How many people that it just didn't make any sense? I know where this goes. If it, it takes a miracle, and if not a miracle, it's kind of like I'll see in the next slide. But here's what I want to say. If you don't get your miracle, well, let me back up. If you do get your miracle in this life, it's still temporary. If you get healed of every ailment in your life, you're still going to die <laughs> in a few decades. The real miracle that took place was, in, was when God sent his son into this world and Jesus said, I've given you life and I've given it to you in abundance. He wasn't just talking about this life. The miracle was the, the, the fact that he gave us life through his death and his resurrection, that Jesus was raised from the dead to show us that even if you don't get your miracle in this life, one of these days you're going to wake up in a new world where you'll never experience another ailment. You'll never experience another sickness. You'll never deal with disease ever again. And you will be surrounded with people that you've loved and you've lost for the rest of eternity. So no matter what you experience in this life, even if you feel like you never get this miracle because of what Jesus did, you experience the miracle of salvation in the next life. And that's not to discourage you. I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to believe with you that whatever's going on, I'm going to believe over the next three weeks as I'm talking about miracles. Next week, I'm going to talk about people that qualified themselves for miracles, and I'm going to talk to you about whatever's going on in your life that God is willing and able to work in your life and to meet whatever need, and he can do it if you'll believe. I believe that with all of my heart. But if he doesn't do it, hey, don't worry about it. Because even if he did, it's just going to get you through this life. And we're going to very soon be in the next life because of the greatest miracle that was ever performed. And that's when God sent his son into this world. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And thank you, Lord, for I believe that you're speaking to people even right now in this moment. And Lord, I pray for every person that's here. Whatever might be going on, whatever situation that we might be dealing with. 
that you will minister to people in Christ's name. If you're here today and you can say, Travis, that's me. I, I need a miracle. There is no other way unless God comes through. I need a miracle in my body. I need a miracle in another area of my life. And unless God comes through, it's not going to happen. If that's you, if you can say that, I want to pray with you right now. If you're seated next to a person that you love, if you're seated next to a person that you know that there is a situation in their life, let's pray for each other right now. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the promise of your word. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to pray and to believe in miracles. We can have what we believe according to your word. And we don't understand everything in life. And I, I, you're, you are a God of miracles. You are a God of provision. So I pray, Lord, that that is exactly what you provide for those that need it. If not today, Lord, over the next few weeks, as we dive into this subject a little bit more, Lord, heal people, save people's lives in the name of Jesus. If you receive that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads. Lord, I pray for people that don't know Christ today people that, not, that are not in the fellowship, people that have not given their lives to you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, he's not Lord and Savior of your life for whatever reason, you can say, Travis, I don't live for God. He's not Lord and Savior. I have never lived for God. But I feel like he's speaking to me today and I want to come home. Or maybe you can say, Travis, I, I walked away from God at some point. I'm not where I should be. But I really feel God is leading me home today. I want to pray with you too. I won't ask you to stand. I won't single you out. I just want you to, I just want you to let me know by lifting your hand quickly so I'll know. Am I praying for anybody today? That's me, Travis. If you'll, if you'll say that prayer, I'll pray it with you and I'll give my life to Christ today. Can anybody say that? That's me, Travis. I'll see your hand over here on the right. Anybody else? Just put your hand up and put it down just to let me know. I see your hand in the back, back there. And put it down. Anybody else? Travis, today I want to give my life to Christ and I want you to pray with me. I'll ask one more time, then I'm going to pray. Okay, we're going to pray. If you lifted your hand, say this prayer with us. Mean it with all your heart. Make this decision to follow Christ with what you say today. Just repeat after me. We'll all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm before you today, and I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life, to forgive me for all of my sins. And I declare that you are Lord and Savior of my life. And from this moment on, I will serve you with my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate today.